Bibles to Matthew chapter 7. We've made it all the way to Matthew chapter 7 now, and we're in a series called Two Kingdoms, One Allegiance. And we've been talking for weeks now about the kingdom of God. Does everybody have the hand motions down for the kingdom of heaven? What is that? Nice. And then the kingdom of earth. There you go. Good. I got to write a song. We're not going to live on the kingdom. Okay. I don't know why I'm so chippy this morning, but two kingdoms and one allegiance. And so we're talking about the kingdom of heaven, and this is where God wants us. He wants our mind up here. He wants our actions up here. He wants our commitment to this kingdom. But then we live in this kingdom. And we have lots of billboards and TV and relationships and work and school and everything that's that's saying live in this kingdom. This is the most important thing. And so we have this graphic here that we've been using every week to remind us what happens to our heart when the when the kingdom of God is wooing us, saying we know the Holy Spirit is saying, come on, how long have you been a believer now? And you're still in that rut. Come on, get Get it up here. Get your mind up here. Get everything up here. And then we have the world going, no, no, no. This is what's more important. It's about you. Whatever, what they hurt you. Come on down here. We'll comfort you. And there's, Paul says, we're pierced with many a grief as we, as we have these two uh, conflicting kingdoms, these two kingdoms at war uh, tugging at us. Last week we talked about uh, worry. And uh, it was the second part. The first part was um, that it's not good to worry, which was a revelation, I'm sure. Uh, the second week was about how not to worry. And so we talked uh, about the first thing was to seek initially. It said, Jesus said, it wasn't just don't worry. Don't, that's hard. Have you ever done that? Where you're, something's going on and you say, okay, I'm not going to worry about that. <laughs> that's hard. Jesus says, look, it's not enough to just say, don't worry you have to replace it with something. And so these, we had four replacement actions. And he says, but seek first his kingdom. So when something happens, when you lose your job or you get an F on a test or whatever it is, you seek first. Lord, where is the treasure of your kingdom in this? What, 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 where have you hidden it? Because I don't see it. I don't know how losing my job helps either of us out, Lord. <laughs> Where's the treasure? And so we seek for the treasure. We seek for God's kingdom. The second thing we do is we rejoice continually. Even in the midst of the trial, yeah, it's hard. But we have many things we can rejoice about. We can rejoice about that we're not even citizens of this kingdom. So whatever happens down here really is meaningless. Well, we can rejoice that we have a God who loves us, that understands. Rejoice continually. And then pray thankfully. Remember in Philippians chapter 4, it says... Uh, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. So we pray, thankfully, Lord, I thank you that for some reason you considered me worthy to lose my job and you think I can handle that. Thanks for that. (laughs) I know that's difficult, isn't it? Lord, thank you that you have the strength that if if I can just uh, uh, tap into your kingdom, I have everything I need. I have that peace that surpasses all my circumstances. Pray thankfully, and then lastly, we focus intently. We focus intently. We set our mind on the things above, not on the things that are on earth. 
We're always looking up going, okay, what, what are you doing, Lord? What's going on? We focus intently on that rather than worry. These are all replacement actions for wor- worry. So now that we're not focused on ourselves anymore and we're not worrying, Jesus goes into another part of his sermon in chapter 7 about judging others. <clears throat> so this week's sermon is called Getting Spiritual Enough to Judge Others. By the time we're done, we're all going to be able to walk out of here and judge others. You say, wow, really? Absolutely. It's going to be awesome. We're going to be the best judgers ever. Okay? I was going to call this thing judging for fun and profit. But uh, it didn't really fit with it. So, um, so that's it. And by the way, happy Mother's Day. This is not a Mother's Day sermon. Okay? Some people preach Mother's Day sermons, but... I don't want people going, he was talking about judging on Mother's Day. I know what he was trying to say, right? (laughs) Like all we do is judge. Okay, now, this has nothing to do with Mother's Day, okay? It just so happens that the church lady was was here. Let's go get into the scripture. Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 1. Do not judge or you too will be judged. Well, how are we going to leave here being good judges if Jesus automatically says, don't judge? Well, there's a loophole. We'll get to that. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, hey, hey, he's not in there. Let me take the speck out of your eye. When all the time there's a plank in your own eye. You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under your feet and then turn and tear you to pieces. Joey Vargas did a video uh, for us this morning to kind of get our minds wrapped around this concept.
That's better. You know, you're a work of art. Listen, when we talk about this kingdom, it's exciting for me because this kingdom sees things radically different than this kingdom. So what Jesus is saying here is saying, he's saying, when you judge, if you're going to judge people, what are you doing down here? What, why are you looking at people through this lens? This lens has just a few colors in it. This lens has infinite number of colors. This lens sees people radically different than this kingdom does. I'm going to put some pictures up here. We're going to judge these people. <clears throat> Anyone see the richest man in the world up there? Where is he? <laughs> That's Billy Graham, okay? Who says Bill Gates right here? You didn't recognize Bill Gates? No, Warren Buffett is the richest man in the world. He's up there in the upper right-hand corner. Who is a uh, world-renowned bass player? World-renowned jazz bass player. Yep, you're absolutely right. Sons, number 23, Wayman Tisdale. World-class bass player. Who graduated from Harvard? Yeah, you guys. It is. It's the guitarist graduated from Harvard. Whose daughter, check this out, this is awesome gossip information, and we can use this after this sermon's over. Whose daughter got uh, arrested for domestic violence? Daughter, beat her husband up, Billy Graham, right? We look at these things, you can look at any one of these guys on the street, and you'd probably make a judgment about them. If I saw Warren Buffett, I'd just be like, oh man, an old dude, right? Didn't know he had billions of dollars. What I love about that picture is he's got a Warren Buffett name tag on. <laughs> anyway. Listen, here's how we're going to judge others. We're going to leave here being able to judge others. The first thing we have to do is settle on God's standard. Do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. If we're going to look at other people, we have to look at them according to God's standard, not our own. This is essentially what Jesus is saying. Is this how you want to judge people? Fine. You'll get all the resources that kingdom has to offer you. If your standards and everything are going to go according to basically how you see life, how much of the kingdom you put into that, that's how much you're going to get back. It doesn't mean Jesus changes his standards. See, sometimes we look at this verse and we say, oh, the way you judge others, God's going to get you for that. He's going to lower his standards down to yours, and then you're really going to be in trouble. God never changes his standards. He will continue to judge us according to the righteous standard that he's always done, and we're all going to come up lacking. There's a difference between our standard and God's standard. And what Jesus is saying is, I want you to really think hard about how you're going to value other people. That's basically what a judge does. He, he checks out value. Okay, that looks, about, that looks even, right? If we do it down here, all the resources we miss out, we miss out for our own life. That's the standard that we're going to be living our lives. So I want to show you some differences between us and God. We judge with limited information. I don't care how well you know somebody. 
I don't care if it's your husband or your wife. You say, oh, no, I know my wife. I know every little bad and good thing about her. You still have limited information. God's got total information. He knows everything. He knows every single event in their past. He knows every single event in their future. He knows what's, what, uh, how they've uh, matured, how they've not matured. Total information. We look at the outward appearance or at least outward circumstances. God looks at the heart. We look with prejudice. I don't care who you are. I could go to any single person here and say, are you prejudiced? And you'd go, no, I'm not prejudiced. You absolutely are prejudiced. You cannot help it. You have certain preconceived ideas, preconceived notions. You have certain things that either you're, I'm prejudiced against rich people. I don't know why. I just, I always assume that they're going to be arrogant. That's wrong. That's sin. Come with prejudice. God has no prejudice. He's no respecter of persons. He doesn't care whether you have a PhD from Harvard or you just barely got through the third grade. He does not care. Unless, of course, he's calling you to continue your education. And kids, that's what he's calling you to do. Okay. I just got rid of about five emails right there with that statement. Right? We judge inconsistently. We'll give different standards to different people, right? If we really love someone, we kind of tend to give them a little more grace than the person we don't like. God is completely consistent. He's totally consistent when he judges. He knows everything. He judges our heart. No prejudice, totally consistent. We have standards that change over time. You know, we might judge somebody 20 years ago. I cannot believe they're wearing that bathing suit. If they're wearing that bathing suit, I can only imagine what the parts of their life I don't see are like. Now, (laughs) right, our standards change over time. God has standards that never change. His standards never, ever change. The bathing suit he was upset with back in B.C., he's upset with today, right? I'm kidding, right? We tend to judge with love or justice. We, we, we tend to, maybe not, it's either or, but we tend to lean on the side of love If it's, you know, someone we love, we kind of give them the benefit of the doubt. Or justice, that is unfair. How dare they? I cannot believe they did that. We begin to value that person based on either love or justice. God judges with love and justice always. The perfect combination. Total love, total justice. We judge with expectations. Right. Most of the time when we're upset, we have certain expectations. If you judge a pastor's sermon like or, you know, that guy, he's just arrogant or, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's you had a certain expectation for what a pastor should be. That's usually what happens. Or if you're at a, a co-worker and a boss and you're, you know, the problem with him, he doesn't care about any of the people. You had a certain expectation of what a boss can look like. And you'll see that that one person will judge someone one way. And the coworker will go, what are you talking about? What's the big deal? So they just told you to get your work done. What, how is that such a big deal? Expectations. God judges with understanding. For the mothers who are out there, you've probably all said this to your kids, because I said so, right? I, I, I'm a, it's not Father's Day, but if it were, I say the same. Because I said so. God has a verse in the Bible that basically says, because I said so. Because you don't know what you're talking about. Because you think you know, but you don't know. And it's in Isaiah. 
And it says this, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. Aren't you? Praise God, his thoughts are not my thoughts. Because that would be a bizarre world, I can guarantee you. Nor your ways my ways, declares the Lord. He's making a statement here. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. We have to settle on God's standard. We have to settle on his standard. See, here's what happens. When we begin to judge people according to our standard, we fall under that standard. And that's when we begin to feel shame and our failures. We begin to feel humility. We begin to feel like we're not good enough. And so oftentimes it's not so much that we're pointing the finger at others. It's that we don't feel valuable enough to be valuable in this kingdom. By our standards, we don't really have much to offer the kingdom of God. Do we? I mean, think about our lives. This is the thing I find most with people. It's not that they don't want to serve or they don't want to be a part of the body or they don't want to. If, if I, almost every single time I've ever asked anyone to lead a small group, oh, I can't lead a small group. Why? Because they're judging themselves under this standard. And God's going, what are you talking about? You absolutely can do that. You can do anything I call you to through your pastor who's asking you to do that. <laughs> That's what he's saying, by the way. No. Right? So when we judge people according to this standard, oftentimes we judge ourselves under that standard and we go, I I'm not good enough. I'm, no, I'm not valuable to the kingdom. Everybody is essential to the kingdom of God. If I've said it up here once, I've said it a million times. Every single one of you is painted by the artist God in a way unique to the kingdom. And it might be just that you're the only one who can reach your kids for Christ. Whatever. But if we're all along this standard, we cannot settle for this standard. We have to settle for God's standard. Listen to this. In Romans chapter 2, Paul's basically going off on the Romans. And he's saying, you have no excuse if you pass judgment on somebody else. For whatever point you judge somebody, you're guilty too. Then he goes on. We know that God's judgment against those who do such things is based on truth. Remember we talked about the first thing? We come with limited information. Oftentimes, we come with limited information about ourselves even. You say, well, how is that possible? Because God knows exactly what your potential is with him strengthening you. And you don't know. I don't know. I don't know what my life would really be like if I was completely 100% sold out for him. I don't know. You don't know what your life is like, but I guarantee you God knows. And he says, I've got a standard that blows your standard out of the water. So it says, now we know that God's judgment against those who do such things is based on truth. So when you, a mere man, pass judgment on them and yet do the same things, do you think you'll escape God's judgment? He's saying, you think, you think God's not going to notice that? Or do you show contempt for the riches? Now listen to this, of his kindness, tolerance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness leads you toward repentance. God's standard is, 
is very, very high. None of us can reach it. None of us. But he's rich in kindness and tolerance and patience. And he says, I provided a way through my son, Jesus. This, that's the standard. Secondly, after you've uh, gotten the right standard, we have to see ourselves according to God's standard. So now we've picked God's standard, hopefully. And I'll get to where we can judge others. Don't worry, you'll go away ready to go, loaded for bear. Okay, you'll be, okay, so, uh, <clears throat> so we've got God's standard. Now we take our lives and we go, okay, how do I match up? So what Jesus says here is, don't judge others. You're going to be judged according to that standard. There's a higher standard that we're going to be talking about. It's God's standard. Now, how can you look at your brother and pay no attention, it says, to the plank in your own eye? So you don't just take God's standard and then start throwing people, no, he doesn't make it, he doesn't make it, he doesn't make it. You first take God's standard and go, oh my goodness, I've got a giant plank in my eye. If we're going to judge others, we've got to remove that plank first. We all have a plank in our eye of some degree. He's got, he says, you've got to pay attention to this. See, the key is the Beatitudes. As I've studied the Sermon on the Mount now for seven chapters, every single sermon goes back to the Beatitudes. Jesus started with the Beatitudes. We have to come to God poor in spirit. We've got to come like a beggar going, Lord, your standard is, it's too much. I can't do it. We have to come merciful, those who mourn. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, that's how we have to come. We have to come going, Lord, when I look at your standard and I look at my life, it doesn't match up. I, 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 there's, there's things in the way. In Luke chapter 18, Jesus shows up on the scene and he's talking exactly to the people who are judging down here. He, he basically shows up to some Pharisees. It, said, it says in Luke chapter 9, to some who were confident in their own righteous and righteousness and looked down on everybody else. So you can imagine, Jesus walks up and there they are. See, Jesus was unique because he was fully God and fully man. So when you were talking to him and he said, how's your day? And you went, oh, it was fine. He knew your heart. Oh, really? You call that a fine day. Interesting. But he didn't judge people right there for that. But he'd walk up, and so he, he walks up to this group, and he knows they're confident in themselves. And they look down on everybody else. So he says, I'm going to tell you guys a story. We've all heard this story. I, I've preached on it a couple times. He says, two men went up to pray, a Pharisee and a tax collector. Now, when he said that word tax collector, all of, all of a sudden, bam, there was an image in their mind. If I use the word terrorist... All of, okay, got it. Yep, I understand. Illegal alien. Okay, got it. You know, these hot-button topics. Politician, which is my favorite one to use. Right? You think, oh, man. Oh, okay. Right? It doesn't matter what I use. I could use anything. Immediately, we categorize them. And what we typically do is categorize them by value. We rate them by value in our mind. 
So when he says tax collector, they're like, oh, gosh, this is going to be a good story. This is going to be great. So here's what he says. They went, they went to the temple to pray. The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself. <laughs> There's a key right there. God, I thank you that I'm not like other men. Then he goes through a list that's pretty good. I mean, you, I'm pretty confident that the Pharisee praying here was not a robber. Well, evildoer, the way it's written there, is probably pretty evil guy, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. <laughs> that is so cool. I, I'd love to meet a Pharisee. Well, I, I've probably met a bunch of them. I probably am one. Here we go. <clears throat> or even like this tax collector. And look, watch what he does. Here's his standard. Here's the standard. It's down here. All on the outward appearance. All on a lack of information. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. Is he comparing himself to God's standard? Listen to what Jesus has done through the Sermon on the Mount for seven chapters. First, he goes over the Beatitudes. And he's basically saying, you're all worthless. (laughs) Right? It gets better, though, after that. He says, you got to come to God like a beggar. Remember we talked about the beggar would not even look up. He'd go like this, just begging. He realized that without that money, he had no means of ever getting anything. That's how we come to God. And so he says, uh, we go through the Beatitudes. Then he goes through religion. When you give, don't let anyone see you. Let God see you. When you pray, it's between you and God. When you fast, it's between you and God. It's not down here. Who cares what anyone sees? It's between you and God. They they talk about uh, righteous living. You said, don't commit murder. But I say, match your life up to what I say. I say, don't even be angry. Don't be angry. But if you saw everything they did to me down here, it's irrelevant in God's kingdom. So he goes on, he says, I, I fast twice a week. Then the tax collector comes. The tax collector stands at a distance. He's put his life up to God's standard. He's seen himself the way God sees him. And he says, have mercy on me, a sinner. And then look what Jesus says. I tell you that this man, the tax collector, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. This is what God's saying. He's not saying he's just standing there with his fist cocked going, oh, I dare you to make a mistake. I'm going to knock you into tomorrow. He's saying, you want to live according to this standard? Oh, my goodness. That's nothing. That's your standard? You're going to judge yourself by those around you? So they're a four and you're going to make it all the way to a five. You're going to be humbled. You're you're not going to be exalted. Your life isn't going to have the fullness of the kingdom if you do that. Don't do that. Don't judge other people down here. Look at them the way God looks at them. Value them the way God values them. Otherwise, your life is just going to be miserable because you don't have the power in in and of yourself to operate down here effectively. You need the kingdom of God in order to do that. So he says, this man went home justified before God. God said to that guy, yes, that's it. 
Now we can start doing some damage for the kingdom. Paul says it this way. It's really weird the way Paul says it. He says, I care very little if I'm judged by you or any human court. You ever meet someone? I don't care what anyone thinks, right? They're, that's a, your first indication that they care very deeply what somebody thinks when somebody says that. I, I care very little about if I'm judged by you or any human court. Here's where Paul says, indeed, I don't even judge myself. My standard, if I judge myself, I'm going to start thinking I'm, I'm all that because I'm Paul. I'm an eight and you guys are a three. And if I start judging myself, I'm going to go, hey, this is pretty awesome. Then he says this awesome thing right after this. My conscience is clear, but that does not make me innocent. I put myself up to a totally different standard. The, it is the Lord who judges me. It's the Lord who judges me. Listen, before we can go on judging others, and I promise we're going to get to that real soon, uh, we have to see ourselves according to God's standard. Thirdly, we have to submit. We're going to get to judging others, I promise. We Submit your life to match God's word. So first, we settle on the right, the right standard. We see ourselves according to that standard. Well, that's good, but now we need to submit to match God's word. He says, you hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye. It's great that you saw the plank. Sometimes that, that's me. I feel like I've done my job just to notice I had the problem. <laughs> right? Yeah, you know what? I, Lord, I'm sorry. I, you know, I've, no, I've recognized now this week that I'm this way. God's going, wow, that's fantastic. I've been saying it for years. So what are you going to do about it is God's next thing. It's not enough just to see it. And this is the problem. See, this is, we're going to get into why this is important. But some of us settle with, yeah, you know what? You're right, Jesus. Who am I to notice anything in anyone else's life? I have enough planks of my own. So you're right. I won't look at anybody else's speck. I've got planks. I'm Dr. Plankenstein. (laughs) (laughs) I thought about that at 9.30 this morning. I said, I got to use that in the sermon because it's so stupid. Okay. That's going to make me laugh all sermon. Okay. <clears throat> listen, to what, listen to what Paul says. We do not dare to classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves. We don't dare do that. When they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they are not wise. When we say, yeah, I got planks, they got planks, my plank's smaller than yours, it's no good. We've got to get rid of the plank. You hypocrite, he says, first take out the plank. You've got to get rid of it. You've got to do something. It's not enough just to settle on God's standard. Yes, I understand. And then to see yourself, oh, yeah, I don't measure up. Oh, well, and off you go. That does nothing for this kingdom. It's when we start living lives that are radical, where we look and we go, oh, this is separating me from God. I got to get rid of it. It's vitally important. We're going to see this in a little bit. So James talks about this in a fairly famous verse. He says, look, don't don't just listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Don't just come to church, listen to sermons, and go, I feel a lot better. That's deceiving yourself. Okay, when I go and I read the Bible and I go, wow, Lord, that was, whew, you really got me on that. And I close it up and I'm on my way. I've just deceived myself. We don't just listen to the word, okay? 
He says, don't deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Get rid of that plank. Whatever it takes. Get rid of it. He says, anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who goes to a mirror and looks at himself. And then right when he leaves, he's immediately forgotten what he looked like. Now, everyone here has probably seen themselves in the mirror. You've seen pictures of yourself. Some of you have probably looked at pictures of yourself more than others. Uh, but, uh, but if I were to ask you to describe your face, you know, you might say, you know, attractive or whatever. But there's all sorts of stuff you don't notice. Like, I've shaved this morning thinking, I'm going to remember my face. But right now, I can't, like, really remember, like, where my moles are and my freckles and all that kind of stuff. I've forgotten. Now, watch what, watch what James says here. But the man who looks intently, where? Not into the mirror, not into his face, but into the perfect law that gives what? Freedom. Say it again. The perfect law gives what? Freedom. 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 Ah. To operate on this kingdom. I mean, when you use a term like law, it doesn't sound like freedom, does it? I mean, law sounds like bondage. Law, it's against the law. Oh, I can't speed at... No, it's against the law. Oh, I want to speed. God's perfect law gives freedom. And so we look, we measure ourselves and we look and we go, I've got this plank in my eye. Now, if I'm walking around with a plank in my eye, how much freedom do I have? I don't have any. I can't see. I'm going to be bumping into things. I'm going to be offensive. I'm going to be, I, I won't be able to operate in life. When I look and I go, Lord, you've, you've shown this thing in me. I've got to do whatever I can to get I'm free. I am free. Now watch what it says. And continues to do this, not forgetting what he's heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. First part of Matthew. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger for righteousness. Blessed are those who come to God. They understand I can't do it, but I'm going to do my best. I need your strength. The planks begin to come away, and there's freedom in Christ. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention? Number one, you've got to see it according to God's standard. Then two, you hypocrite, take out the plank. Once you settle on God's plan, and you see yourself according to, to, uh, to God's standard, and then you submit, here we go. Start judging. You've arrived. Now, you, now you're free. It's your freedom. You're free to judge. But what's happened? What's happened? See, the Bible talks about us judging. As a matter of fact, in that same thing, he says, don't give to the swine. Don't cast your pearls before swine. How are you going to know they're swine? You've got to identify. You've got to recognize how are you going to recognize their dogs? Jesus talks about beware of the hypocrites. Well, what does that mean? That means you've evaluated that somebody's a hypocrite. Beware of the, beware of the false prophets. You can't beware unless you're paying attention. But you can't pay attention until that plank is gone. 
because your standards are going to be all jacked up, which is a Greek word. John chapter 7 says this, Do not judge according to appearance, but judge with righteous judgment. This is Jesus, the same one who said do not judge. Now he's telling us to judge. Well, which is it, Jesus? It's both. If you're going to be down here, you better knock it off right away. If you're going to be up here, you're going to have all the assets of the kingdom of God, forgiveness and mercy and grace and patience. I mean, if I judge somebody with the fruit of the Spirit, if the planks are gone, and I walk up to somebody and I say, and in my heart there's love, joy, and peace, and patience, and kindness, and goodness, and faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, against such things there is no what? Law. When I, now I can go to my brother and go, dude, there's something wrong, man. I need to talk to you about that. You're living a destructive life. It's just as bad to just go, well, I, I can't say anything. I'm just as bad as they are. We miss out on a lot of kingdom opportunity. Look what it says in Galatians chapter 6. Brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. But watch yourself, or you also may be tempted. See, Jesus commands us to take the speck out of our brother's eye. We can't just stop on do not judge. We have a responsibility to see clearly in our own lives so that we can be an asset to the kingdom of God. We can't ignore someone who's got a speck. Have you ever talked to somebody who got a speck in their eye? They start going like this. So you'll be talking to them, you know, yeah, so anyway, I didn't think Kobe Bryant. And they go, oh, wait a minute, hold on. And they start blinking. Oh, oh. now if you just go, oh, man, you know what? I've had a speck. I'm not going to judge this guy. I'm just going to continue on like nothing's happening. So anyway, I thought, Kobe, and the guy's going, wait, hold on one second, man. Oh, golly, I can't. This is terrible. What do you do when someone has a speck in their eye? Oh, what happened? Let me see. Hold still, <laughs> right? That's what you tell them. I can't hold still. I got something in my eye, right? <laughs> you tell them, hold still. Here, you know, they could do it. Uh, yeah, huh? It's disgusting, isn't it? It is. It's a little man. I don't want to look in your nasty eye, bloodshot thing. What happens? You care for them. I want to finish talking about the Laker game, so I got to get this thing out of your eye so we can finish. No. You care about them, you can see it's affecting them. And so you pull their nasty eye back and you're looking in there. Oh, yeah, there's a piece of sawdust, man. You know the trick where you pull out your bottom eye and then shove your thing in there? Did you know that trick to get something out of your eye? Okay, good. I thought I had something special for you this morning, but apparently you know it. Okay? So you help them get the speck out. Now imagine if you can't see and you got these big Coke bottle glasses, but you forgot them. So you're shoving your finger in their eye, going, I think I got it, I think I got it. The guy's like, that's my eye, man. I've got it. I got the speck. And holding some dude's eyeball, right? Listen, guys, as a church, we have a responsibility to judge each other. Okay? 
in a loving, safe, committed environment where we say, hold still. I need to talk to you for a second. Two people, you can't get a whole bunch of people helping somebody get a speck out of their eye. You just go to that person. Let me help you. And have you ever had something in your eye and then it's removed and you think you've just been given new life again? It's like it comes out and you're like, praise Jesus, I can see. You totally forget about the speck. You can go on with life. See, we have to be able to be approachable with each other to go. And this is, you know, I was writing this out and I have to say, this church doesn't really struggle with this, what I'm talking about right now. We can always get better. But this church is really not a gossiping church. It's really not a, it's a real loving church. That's why it's, I've kind of been having fun with the sermon because I don't really feel like, man, this is the, the Lord has given a heavy word to this congregation. We truly love each other. I think where we struggle as a church is that we're too forgiving. We're, we're too, we, we allow too much. We say, well, you know what? I have problems too. We're all a loving family. What are you going to do? When I think we need to ratchet it up just a notch and go, you know what? That, what you're doing there, it's not so great. The language you use, it's just not the, it's just not the greatest thing. How, how can we, what can we do to get rid of that? That's hard to do. To go to someone you love and go, hey, can I help you get that speck out of your eye? Now imagine how stupid it would be if the guy's like, who are you to talk about my speck? You know, <laughs> I'll teach you, you know, you had a speck in your eye. I remember that. Be ridiculous, right? What do you do? You go, man, you let it go. Start judging. Once you've gotten to the point where you've matched yourself up with God's standard and you, you're working on holiness, well, we got to help each other. We need each other. Peter goes off for an entire chapter on some people who were self-righteous. He calls them greedy, unreasoning animals, stains, blemishes, springs without water, mists driven by storm. Yikes. Way to go, Peter. And then he says this. The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. Repentance is the goal. Repentance is the goal. We want that brother to be restored. We want him to get that speck out of his eye. We want him to live a life that's fully up here. That's why we judge. That's why we look and go, man, there's that one little thing. I need to talk to him. To talk with each other does not no good. It doesn't help. If I sit and I talk with Lisa at home, you know, Joe's really got a speck in his eye. Man. He's always had a speck in his eye. What good does it do? So he goes on. He says, Therefore, beloved, since you look for these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace, spotless and blameless. We've got to keep getting rid of those planks so that we can see for each other and help each other out. Lastly, surrender them to God. See, there's going to be lots of people we come in contact with that we try to help out, really in love. And what the enemy does is when we've been rejected, when we've taken this pearl of the kingdom, 
that is so valuable to us. And we go, hey, can I just tell you what your life could be like? And they go, yeah, I'm not interested. Then we get a little offended. And then it's like, well, I told them about that, but they didn't listen to me. What happens? Now we begin to get down here. Let them go. If, if they're not paying attention, if you've given them that pearl, if you've given, if, if they just trample on it, they've got to come to God on their own. The goal is repentance. You cannot, I cannot make anybody repent. I can go to you a thousand times and say, you, you've got to stop this. Whether you say, forget you, you're a big high and mighty pastor. What am I going to do with that? I've got to let you go. Okay. I cannot now begin to, oh, that guy, he doesn't listen. It says in Leviticus 19.17, Rebuke your neighbor frankly so you will not share in his guilt. But then let him go. Watch this. This is amazing, this, this verse here. Romans 14.11. It is written, As surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me. Every tongue will confess to God. It's going to happen. The people are going to come before God in a way where they realize he's real. Now watch what it says. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in your brother's way. What happens is when we go and confront each other and we're talking and the, a person is unresponsive, it feels like, a, like they're a pig or a dog, a hog or a dog. <laughs> then we set up these barriers. Well, I can't believe that. I, you know, I, I don't know why they wouldn't listen. And when they repent, they have nowhere to go because we've set up all these barriers. We've set up these obstacles. I'm going to give an account of myself to God. That's it. Now I have to make sure that when everyone else is starting to turn or whatever around me, like, you know, sometimes we, we, we harp on somebody uh, in our family about coming to Christ, coming to Christ, and finally we give up. And then when they come to Christ, we're kind of like, wow. We've got to keep that. When they come, it's love that we give them. We cannot put a stumbling block or obstacle in our brother's way. As the worship band returns, uh, the prodigal son, he knows something about hogs. He had this killer environment. He's with a rich dad. He's got a rich dad, a brother who's kind of a knucklehead. But who doesn't have a brother who's a knucklehead, right? By the way, if you're listening to this podcast, forgive me for saying that about you. Okay. <laughs> Sometimes my brother will listen to my podcast to make sure I'm not lying about my past. So this guy, he's in a great environment. He's talking about the kingdom here, Jesus is. And the guy goes and he says, I'm going to live by a different standard. I'm going I'm to live according to the world. And he finds himself eating with the pigs. And it says in Luke chapter 18, verse 17. I'm sorry, 15, 17. When he had come to his senses... They let him go. The father let him go. You want half of the inheritance? Here you go. You want to live according to that standard? Let's see how far it gets you. 
And so the person does it, and we are around people who are living according to that standard. And it says when he came to his senses, he went, I got to get back home. And his father ran to meet him. His father saw him from a distance. He didn't put up barriers and go, oh, I see that worked out real well for you, didn't it? He ran to meet him. Now the brother, the brother wanted to put up obstacles, didn't he? Why is he getting a party? The father said, what are you talking about? It's a perfect example of those of us who are who have gotten the plank out of our own eye and we resent the fact that people aren't living according to that standard. When he came to his sense... We are in all. We are in all.